0: Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska Podcast. I hope the Word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Second Kings chapter 5, familiar story. I hope it's familiar t- to you. I'm not going to preach all of the facets that are buried in this passage here of this miraculous story of God healing this uh, commander named Naaman, I'm going to pull out one little section today and encourage you, and God's going to encourage you through the word. Let's read 2 Kings 5. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the kings of Aram. He was a great man, I'm reading the NIV, in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram have gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told Him, what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents, silver, six thousand shekels of gold, ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Soon as the king of Israel read the letter he tore his robes and said am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow bring send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me when verse 8 when Elisha the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes He sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. Let's pray. Father, I need an anointing to declare what you have put in my heart. God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us on this Sunday night. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, you may be seated. Have you ever had a moment that squeezed you? Ever had uh, some moments by which... Uh, the the crunch was on and you were confronted with some things and what came out was a good picture Uh, my my wife and I some time ago when we only had two kids we have five today we only had two kids Emma and Easton right here were little. And we had gone to be a part of a wedding in northern Washington. And we were in North Cascades National Park. And we decided we were going to take the little ones to this remote end of the dirt road lake and have a picnic. And I've told this story before, but it's appropriate today because we were confronted with a a super crunch. We had gone down there to this lake. It was starting to get dark. We wanted to stay a little longer. There's nobody around and there's no people. We were way down there. And it just so happened that the keys got locked in the rental car. And we have two little ones. And it was then that I realized there were large signs that says, beware of bears, and it was starting to get cold and dark. And here I am, not knowing what to do. And the rental car had this fabulous sticker on it, equipped with the latest anti-theft technology. What a wonderful thing to have out there on this remote lake. I had no solutions, didn't know what to do. I Walked a couple of miles back to the main road hoping I would discover a person and Lo and behold I find someone and They tell me oh, there's no phone reception anywhere in this in this whole area and it's a holiday weekend There's only one park ranger and I'm pretty sure he's just getting off work. The situation was getting more uh, challenging by the moment so I hiked back to where my family was with no answers no solutions and my little kids who didn't know how severe the the challenge was to us we were being squeezed at that very moment to come up with some way to survive the cold and the bears we were living in Kihei on the island of Maui so you know 65 degrees was cold to us much less 30 degrees, you know, I I live here now, so, you know, 30 degrees is not that bad. 65 is a heat wave and people are melting here at 65 degrees. But we were in a a bind. And maybe you've had circumstances like that where you just felt totally squeezed and didn't exactly know what to do. So we had a moment, thank God we kept our composure and didn't point fingers and yell at each other, which usually solves every problem. Probably for you, it doesn't solve the, that doesn't solve our problems. Pointing fingers, it's your fault, you, you, you're the one. That doesn't solve any problems in our house. It might for you but it doesn't for us we needed a miracle and uh, we at seeing the Sun get lower and lower and the, you're in the middle of the mountains so the the shade gets there quicker the darkness gets there quicker so I had this great plan I'm gonna take my family into this restroom that happened to be it's a park restroom Happen to be there. I'm going to wrap my kids up in toilet paper To keep them warm and I'm going to back myself against the door in case you know these giant nuclear-sized bears Are coming after us. That's the only thing I could imagine, right? I'm imagining You know Kodiak bears coming through that door to eat my kids We needed a miracle so before we before we uh went into our new hotel room for the night and got covers all wrapped around us we took a moment to hold hands with our little ones held their little hands we have tears coming down our eyes because we just can't figure out what's going to happen felt hopeless dismayed if you will we held those little hands and I think, how old were they? Emma was probably four. Easton was two. And we cried out, God, would you do a miracle for us? We're stuck, and we have no solutions. And I'll tell you how the story ends. We're obviously not still there. In case you couldn't figure that one out, we're, we got out of the park. But how we got out of the park, wow. In some way we did not expect God to respond and he came through for us the king of Israel found himself in this story faced with a predicament he didn't expect and as we read the story and you're probably familiar with the the uh, the back end of the story which is Elisha telling Naaman to go dip into the river seven times and there's a whole section of series of sermons that could come from that, but I want to, for just a few moments, zero in on the phrase that Elisha says to him. Why did you tear your robes? And so, let's take a look at that. The king gets this letter. The king of Israel, his name is Jehoram. And he wasn't a good king. He did evil and worshipped idolatry and invited witchcraft to affect Israel. He wasn't in a real good standing with the prophet Elisha, who's in this story. And he gets this visitor, Naaman, who's from the neighboring country, who got a word from a captive servant girl who had way more faith than he did. As the king of Israel amazing this little girl in another country just gives a word to Naaman and he makes action on it if only you could go see the prophet so he shows up with this letter and the king of Israel has this unique response he tears his robes what is that about you've probably seen it in more than one place If if you if you're a student of the Word and you take time reading the Word, you've probably seen that more than once. What is that all about? And why is it important in this story? And why would Elisha, with his hands out, I'm sure, and go, why did you tear your robes? Why would he do that? The tearing of the robes or the rendering of his garments or the tearing of his garments Clothes, or however you want to say it, different ways to say that. I didn't read it out of the King's James because I thought you might get confused that he rented his clothes. So I ran it out of the NIV so you wouldn't get confused because the way you and I define rent today is very different than maybe these folks that read the King James Version. He didn't rent his clothes. He actually owned them. They were his and so, uh, the, the tearing of the clothes, it's a traditional response to the deepest levels of distress, despair, agony over something. Uh, that's the picture of rendering the clothes grief, the greatest grief would be expressed by the Hebrews tearing their clothes. It was an outward expression of the way they were feeling on the inside. When they would feel like this is as low as I could possibly be, I couldn't possibly be any lower than this predicament that I'm in right now the expression they would do is to tear their clothes think job having lost everything he possibly could lose save his own life he tore his clothes the only person in israel that was not allowed to tear their clothes was the high priest they were commanded don't ever tear your clothes but for everyone else if they encountered something by which they thought it was the end There's a finality to it. There is no way to recover, or there's not any answer for what's happening right now. Tear their clothes. And so that's what the king of Israel does. And it's interesting that that's his immediate first response was to tear his clothes. Why is that interesting? Because the pressure was never on him. He fully misunderstood and misinterpreted the letter that was given to him. Who was Naaman supposed to see? Who did the servant girl declare could heal him of his leprosy? The prophet. And I think the Lord had this portion of the story, which doesn't seem to be that important, but God doesn't put unimportant things in, in this book right here. So to bring out the importance for just a few minutes, I want to just pause and ask you, have you ever come to a conclusion when you didn't have the whole story? I, I know you don't do that. But I've had to repent for not having the whole story and then making conclusions, especially with respect to my kids King of Israel has one of those moments here Puts the pressure on himself that somehow he's supposed to bring this miracle about he's gotten squeezed Pressure he didn't expect He firmly believes he's supposed to pull off a miracle for someone who's not a Hebrew and above all that it's leprosy. Until this point in the story no one had ever been healed of leprosy. So it was something incurable in their eyes and in their beliefs. Oh but it's leprosy. So here's the king of Israel and I want you to get this picture of him overreacting unnecessarily overreacting to the news which was misinterpreted by the way that he's supposed to heal this man of leprosy it showed his the response that came from him showed his disconnect from God And I want to express to you and to myself that the Lord is a master at setting us up and allowing us to be squeezed to see what comes out of us. What response do we have to what's taking place? And that response should be an awareness to us of our picture of what do we really believe about God? What do we really believe about him? There's so many moments that you and I are like the king of Israel here confronted with a moment by which our our perception of who God is and what he can do is put right before us and we have to respond. The king of Israel was disconnected. Who's the prophet across town? Elisha, He's the double portion prophet. What's the king of Israel's initial response? His his initial response wasn't, oh, guess who's in town? You're right on time. We've got the double portion guy in town. It should have been his response. It should have been his, his, his very first response. Oh, the prophet's in town. Come on. But his response showed there's a disconnect here. He's not in a good relationship with the prophet. He's an evil king. The prophet wasn't welcome into his court. Where did Naaman have to go? He had to go to the prophet's house. The prophet wasn't in the palace with the king. The one-two punch that brought blessing to Israel. Disconnect. The king of Israel speaks to you and I today and asks us when you get squeezed what comes out that's a great question it's good for us to ask sometimes we need some people to tell us look what's coming out of you we don't like those people very much especially if you live in the same house with them right? king's response the tearing of the robes he was declaring it's impossibly over i can't do this Ah." well the prophet finds out and his first response is why are you tearing your robes it's the story's not over why are you tearing why are you declaring that there's nothing the living God can do. Why are you making this declaration? Why did you tear your robes? Remember the symbol that it was. Why did this situation bring you so far down? Don't you know that God can do anything? Sometimes we need some people. That'll look us in the eyes and tell us, "Why are you tearing? What are you? What are you doing tearing your clothes?" Now I know some of you admire clothes with rips in them. My wife, my my daughter, and I have frequent discussions as to why clothes with rips in them cost more than clothes that don't have. I don't know, Pastor Vince. If I'm only going to buy 85% of my jeans, I don't know why I would pay more for... Does that make... Sometimes we need some people, and I'm here today to tell you, you don't need to tear your robes. Now, in the Old Testament, I do want to mention there were times people should have torn their clothes, and they didn't. Moments of repentance... When the prophets came and told them to their face, you better repent or the nation's going down. Yeah, that's a moment they should have tore their clothes. But in this story, in this moment, it was an overreaction from someone so disconnected from the prophet that he couldn't even think, well, God could do this. God can turn this around. God can intervene. But the prophet did. The prophet tells him, bring him on over to my house, and he will know there's a prophet in Israel. Elijah's full confidence in God. So with just this short word today, looking at this short part of this amazing story I want to encourage you with a few things for you to digest and think about and I want to tell tell you as well the end of the story what happened to us because we found out in that moment even though my kids probably don't remember it, Emma might Easton just remembers getting a clean diaper. By the way, Easton, you were the causer of the keys being locked in the car. If you hadn't filled your diaper, we wouldn't have had to. So we feel better about ourselves now. We thank you that we could point our fingers at you. But you got to hear the end of this story, which I know I've told before here, but it just demonstrates that the bad news is not the end of the story. Hear me today. The story, the, the news over your finances or the whatever you got in the mail or the news over your health or the news over your house or the news over your kids or the news over whatever else has been told to you is not the end of the story. If you're alive today, I'm telling you, there is hope. There's more than a prophet in Israel. There's the power of the Holy Ghost. There's a Savior who came and died and rose again, rose from the dead. He can raise the dead. He can heal the sick. He can turn around anything. He can turn around every circumstance. He fills you with his power. He gives you the ability to declare things that are not. As though they were. There's more than a prophet in Israel in your life. There's a living God who loves you, and the story is not over. Maybe you got some news even today that have made you feel like the king of Israel. It's not over. So the, the story goes, we finish praying full tears, feeling hopeless but turning to God probably with ugly cries is anybody an ugly crier? I am it looks hideous frightening we say amen and we look down the dirt road and a pair of headlights appear and there's this uh, truck creeping at us and I'm like, there's, there's somebody here. There's actually somebody here. My kids were probably frightened, probably traumatized them with how excited I were it was that somebody appeared. So this truck rolled in, and it and I, I run up to the truck. I, I probably looked really scary, but I ran up to the truck. I'm so glad you're here. He didn't expect to find anybody way back there. And here's this extremely zealous man. I'm so glad you're here. Do you have a radio? It was the uh, bathroom cleaner guy. He was behind and, and backed up on all of his cleaning route. And we were the la- this was the last restroom on his list all throughout that day get the picture the living god caused his day to be frustratingly slow so he could come help me what's god orchestrating for you so the guy tells me yeah i got a radio but there's only one park ranger on duty and he's he's off duty time's up would you please at least try to call him take your radio here here could you please try to call him?" So he calls up the park ranger. The park ranger just happened to be passing by the dirt road where we were on his way out of town for the weekend. Says, sure, I'll come help them. Turns down the dirt road, comes all the way down. We're so filled with joy, we're crying again. It was a tearful adventure. Oh, God, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. So he comes down through there, and we tell him what we've done. Or could you please help us? And he gives us even worse news than we were expecting. He says, oh, the, I'm so sorry. I cannot help you. The government has passed a law that for North Cascades that we can no longer help visitors break into their cars when they locked their keys in their cars. I'm so sorry, we can't help you. (laughs) What? Oh, we felt like we lost all hope. But then he says, but it just so happens that I ordered in the mail one of those little um, balloon things. And I just got it in the mail yesterday, and I'm dying to try it out. I just clocked out. Would you give me permission to break into your car? Oh! <laughs> Miracles, he broke into our car. We drove away, weeping again. God intervened. The story was not over with the keys being locked. God was already at work. God was already intervening. Holding those precious little hands and declaring, God, you can come and help us, was enough faith for it all to culminate and come down there. God's working. God's working on your behalf. The story's not over. There's hope. You can put your hope in God. He's doing more than you can see he's doing. He's doing more than you can understand that he's doing. He doesn't work on your time frames. He doesn't go by your lists. He doesn't go by what you call wisdom or what you call best. Our job, our role is to say, Father, you know what's best. Bring it about in your good time. So don't tear your robes because nothing is impossible for God. There is nothing he can't turn around. Get your hope up because there's more than a prophet at work. We live in the New Testament. This story took place in the Old Testament where you hoped there was a prophet somewhere around that could pray for you. I'm here to tell you the veil has been torn. You can approach the living God with with boldness and ask him to intervene on your behalf. So get your hope up. And then lastly, what I want to encourage you is to be a releaser of God's power. Be an Elisha for someone who's gotten bad news or maybe they feel like it's over you can be the prophet Elisha to a world that desperately needs to hear the story's not over I can pray to the living God for you there's so many people that need to hear that so many people that you work with they're in your neighborhood One quick story, quick, and then, then we're gonna pray because God wants to intervene for you even today. So I do a fried chicken life group. It's blessed, it's anointed, and we eat fried chicken. And it's, we picked a particular day and time for this God-ordained life group because it happens to be when this particular grocery store supermarket has fried chicken on sale. And so we, we buy twice as much. And then, so we sit out there and we chomp fried chicken and give God glory. We refresh ourselves with this glorious fried chicken. Well, I bring with me uh, packets of Carolina Reaper that's ground up. It's the hottest pepper in the world, so it's Carolina Reaper grinds, grounds, grinds, grins, groons, groans, some kind of powder substance with Carolina Reaper in it and we shake it all over our chicken and then we laugh at each other at the responses that were happening. Instant tears, can't breathe, your lips are swelling and blistered, and then you accidentally rub your eyes don't do that that's bad that'll make you tear your clothes (laughs) so we eat this fried chicken well to get the fried chicken I go into the local grocery store and uh, there happens to be someone there every time who's distributing the chicken to the those people that want it they work there They're so sour and grouchy. They never smile. Every time I go in there. So I've decided I'm going to be Elisha to that chicken guy. And every time I walk in there, I put the biggest, cheesiest grin, God bless you. (laughs) Eight piece dart. God bless you. God loves you. You can be Elisha to the people around you. You got the Holy Ghost living in you. Be a releaser of God's power. You have authority when you pray. God hears your words when you pray. And you have the greatest message that anyone could ever hear. The gospel. That they don't have to go to hell. They can go to heaven. They can have a blessed life, then go to heaven. And you can share that with them. Would you stand with me tonight? I've hoped to encourage you to not tear your clothes and to be a releaser of God's power. Don't be the king of Israel. Be Elisha. Put your confidence in the living God. Hey, you may be uh, facing some sort of circumstance that this fits right into where you are. We're going to take time to pray tonight. We're going to ask for God's power to be released on your behalf. Whatever news it might be, the story is not over. And we can be filled with hope and joy. God is able. Look at your neighbor and say, don't tear your clothes. That's right. Let's take time to pray. Would you lift your hands with me, Father? We hear the word of the Lord tonight to put all our hope in you. Regardless of the circumstance that's been presented to us. So, Father, we declare our great trust in you. You are able, we declare over every circumstance, every challenge, every ounce of bad news that's been given to us, you're more than able. We declare you're at work. Lord, I pray for supernatural turnaround. God, you gave Elisha a unique strategy, a once in a lifetime strategy that brought healing to Naaman. I pray even right now, as we turn our attention to you with those challenges before us, I pray, God, that you would release strategies from heaven. ideas, not following some mod- religious model, but a word from you on seeing breakthrough, turn around take place. God would you intervene. God intervene, we pray. Just begin to lift up that situation or whatever it is you're facing. God intervene. Maybe you know somebody that needs a little servant girl to tell them there's a prophet in Israel, and it's you. You can tell them. Father, I pray today you'd intervene. Miracles, signs, wonders. We thank you, God, that there's more than a prophet. There's the risen Savior. Would you intervene, we pray, in Jesus' name. We want to take time to make sure, every time we gather like this, we don't don't let a meeting end and dismiss until we've made sure we've given an opportunity for every person to be made right with God. The greatest miracle that could happen for you is to have your sins forgiven and heaven to be your home, to set your life on a different course And knowing at the end, Jesus has made a way for you to live with him in eternity, to see your whole life change. If you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I'm going to encourage you to pray with me tonight. Don't leave this place without making your heart right with God. going to take time to pray tonight I'm going to lead you in a time of prayer I'm going to make sure every person here should Jesus return this day you're ready to meet him in the air he promised he was coming he's coming for those that are looking and ready for him are you ready for his return is your heart made right with him sins forgiven is the is he the Lord of your life I'm not talking about knowing I know about Jesus. I have a Bible at home. I go to church on Sunday. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a personal one-on-one relationship with Jesus. Do you have that? You can have that. I'm gonna lead you in a moment. And today could be the greatest day moving forward that's ever happened to you because you met Jesus. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? And would you pray with me right out loud a prayer that if you mean from your heart, the Bible says you will be saved. I'm going to lead you in a prayer declaring that you believe what Jesus did for you and you receive it. You receive what he did when you receive him in your life would you pray this with me right out loud say heavenly father thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place to rise from the dead to make a way for me to live in eternity with you I confess my sin I turn away from it I receive you into my life. Forgive me. Make me clean. I choose today to live for you for the rest of my life. Fill me with your power and use me for your purposes in Jesus name. Hey, would you lift your hands and let me pray for you? Father, right now, there are people online and in this room and in this moment received you from their hearts that prayer Father I know that even right now that they've encountered you either for the first time or they've come back to you But I pray you fill them with your Holy Spirit you would empower them to live righteous and holy life and from this moment on they would encounter you moment by moment growing in you I thank you God in Jesus mighty name